I'm here. All right. We're ready. Cool. We're patching in. Um, I'm a uh, pro staff programmer here at the Houston VA. Gentlemen. Uh -huh. And uh, since this is supposed to last less than an hour, I've managed to combine my break and my lunch. Okay, let, let me... I'm going to try to keep it on mute and not hear, let you guys hear me munching while I'm here. But Okay, let me interrupt the conversation. Uh, we're back, and the session is now being recorded. Very good. Uh, so this is June 16th, year 2005. is the Ontolog Forum uh, invited speaker session. Today we're uh, honored to have David Witten and Chris Richardson from the World Vista organization to speak for us, and their talk is entitled The Importance of Dynamism in the Open Vista Model. Uh, so before we go to our speakers, let's go around and have the participants introduce themselves. Uh, maybe let's go down the attendee list as we have it there. Uh, I will hold off on the introduction of David and Chris. Uh, Bob, uh, why did you start? I'm Bob Smith. I'm interested in uh, ontologies, particularly in healthcare, and particular in disaster management. Uh, Professor Emeritus at the California State University, and I set up a healthcare management program back in the uh, late 60s. Looking forward to the presentation on VA. And besides, Bob is also the project uh, manager for the Ontolog Forum's Health Ontology Project. Thanks, Bob. Uh, I'm Peter Yim. Uh, I'm one of the co-conveners of the Ontolog Forum, <coughs> uh, along with uh, Kurt Conrad and Leo Oberst. So, hello, everyone. Rex, you might still be on mute. Missing Rex. So um, maybe Mary, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, this is Mary Goldstein, and I. This is my first time on this call. I am uh, a physician. I'm a professor of medicine at Stanford University, and I am uh, with the VA Palo Alto. And uh, my particular interest in this is that I'm co-developer, along with Stanford Medical Informatics, of. Uh, an ontology-based uh, automated clinical decision support system for hypertension management in primary care called the Athena Decision Support System. Um, worked with um, Samson 2 very closely on, on developing that, and we, we have deployed that in a number of VA sites and have some you know future plans for that and for extension to other disease areas with it. Thank you, Mary. I'm here now, Peter. Uh, Oh, it was Rex? Okay, let's yeah. go back to Rex. Rex. Okay, I'm, I'm Rex Brooks. I'm the president and CEO of my own small company, Starborn Communications Design. I'm also executive director of HumanMarkup.org Incorporated, a nonprofit that supports the OASIS Human Markup Technical Committee, of which I'm co-chair. And I'm also involved in OASIS with the Web Services for Remote Portlets Technical Committee and the Emergency Management Technical Committee, among others. Welcome, Rex. Kurt? Hi, everybody. My name is Kurt Conrad. As Peter mentioned, I'm a co-convener of Ontolog, um, independent consultant working in the Bay Area, focusing on semantic formalization and policy-level type issues. Thanks, everybody. Mark? 
might be on mute, Mark. Mark Wine? Yeah. Yes, uh, I'm here. I'm with the General Services Administration, Office of Intergovernmental uh, Solutions, and uh, I'm going on week number three here. Uh, I moved over from the Veterans Health Administration where I was a program manager for health IT sharing, and my role here will, in will involve coordinating health IT across state, local, federal, and international governments in line with the directions and goals of the uh, Nationwide Health Information Network. And I'm pleased to be here. I might also add I'm quite interested in the ontology uh, healthcare NHIN related pilot project that uh, this group with uh, Brand Nyman has put together. And uh, I'm going to be looking at that closer and considering how that could be uh, communicated upward and outward as a potential pilot project with some support. Fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Denise? Hi, I'm Denise Bedford. I'm from the World Bank um, in Georgetown University in Washington. Um, let's see, very quickly, um, I'm responsible for the bank's um, taxonomies, institutional taxonomies, including classification schemes, um, basically authority control, metadata, um, and thesauri semantic networks. Um, we're using the Teragram. Um, toolkit to basically do uh, programmatic metadata capture and to build our taxonomies and maintain them. So we have to work in multiple languages, too. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Denise. Dwayne? Hi, Dwayne Nicol, a Senior Standards Strategist for Adobe and also uh, Amateur Computational Intelligence Modeler, um, working on a number of different projects from the service-oriented architecture domain in the past, uh, working on a lot of modeling stuff, and uh, really believe in a lot of the, uh, the activities of the United Nations CFAC Commission right now with uh, respect to sustainable growth of uh, global trade and the technical infrastructure that underlies that of which uh, ontology, semantics, and uh, taxonomies are, of course, a large part. Thank you, Tony. And Ram? Yeah, I'm uh, Ram Sridhar. I'm from NIST. Uh, I work for Steve Ray, and I'm also a program manager for a program called uh, uh, Manufacturing Metrology and Standards for the Healthcare Enterprise here. Um, interested in, again, uh, use of ontologies for uh, interoperability. Uh, both in uh, engineering and in clinical informatics. Uh, I'm not a physician, but I'm married to one. <laughs> <laughs> so by osmosis, uh, a lot of this medical uh, terminology gets into my head. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's everyone on our list. Did, did anyone join us since? No? Okay. Uh, then let me go ahead and introduce our two speakers this morning. Uh, we have uh, David Witten uh, and Chris Richardson this morning. Uh, David is a senior computer specialist with the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs Medical Center in Houston, Texas. He holds a master's degree in computer science and is a recognized expert on knowledge bases and artificial intelligence. Uh, Witten has 
worked with Vista and its predecessor for more than 20 years while programming for such employers as Houston's Methodist Hospital, the University of Texas uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center, and Science Applications International Corp. I mean, generally known as SAIC, as well as, of course, the VA. Uh, in the AI field, he has contributed to the IEEE Standard Upper Ontology Working Group. Uh, he's written the unofficial FAQ on the psych system and founded the Public Domain Knowledge Bank. Uh, he's a long, he is a long-standing member of the MUMPS Development Committee and was one of the founders of Open Vista and the, the project and World Vista. Uh, and for Chris, uh, Chris Richardson is a senior computer specialist with a medical center in Martinez, California. Well, now I, I have moved to the OI office in Oakland, but that's close enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. Both in the San Francisco Bay Area. Has been programming MUMPS since 1978, formerly with SAIC also, and he worked in the initial version of composite health care systems, uh, the De Department of Defense dialect of the VA decentralized hospital computer program, now called VISTA. Uh, Chris has also programmed for NASA's Johnson Space Center, uh, CSC, and the U United States Public Health Services, as well as his own company, uh, Richardson Computer Research. He was a long-standing member of the MUMPS User Group of North America and the MUMPS Development Committee, and was one of the founders of World Vista. Uh, one particular uh, announcement I need to make is uh, both Chris and David are invited to speak in their World Vista capacity today uh, and not Veteran Administration. So let's hold off uh, all VA-related questions and just focus on World Vista. So uh, this is the bizarre event, not the cathedral. <laughs> all right. <laughs> on that note, uh, David and Chris, it's all yours. Very good. Um, David, shall I go first? Or? Feel free. Okay. The importance of dynamism in the Open Vista model. Okay. Um, here we have the cover sheet. We go to slide two. Uh, World Vista is a not-for-profit 501c3 public benefit corporation. Uh, it's actually uh, registered in California under California rules. Uh, we, uh, we seek to improve health worldwide by making medical software more accessible, more affordable, and improved. Better. Uh, members include developers working uh, or um, who used to work for U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, Open Vista end users, uh, other organizational members or uh, representatives or their representatives. Uh, we have um, uh, one of one member of our board is uh, the organizer of the Oshawa Healthcare Alliance, um, and um, we we have several others who are, were members of the Mumps Development Committee or longtime members of the MTA. Okay. Uh, we also seek to promote Vista open source, uh, future development 
coordination, uh, including localizations and internationalization. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the need to uh, do things in different languages. Well, this is one of the things that we're building into uh, the VISTA, the Open VISTA model, um, is the ability to actually support multiple languages on the same platform. Cool. Uh, chain, change management and licensing. Well, we are um, we're moving it from FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, to open source under a GPL license. Uh, internationalization arrangements and coordination. Well, we in, in, I'm sorry, interinstitutional arrangements and coordination. Uh, as you know, uh, Vista technology is has been embraced by the Department of Defense, the Indian Health Service, the, the VA, and uh, has been used by the uh, U.S. Public Health. Um, they've, um, we're not exactly sure where they, they, they stand right now, but we, we will be getting back in touch with them shortly. Um, end user and development education and training. Uh, this has been one of our, our uh, flagship efforts, is to um, provide VISTA as well as um, introduction to the uh, capabilities and, and um, the in intricacies and internals of the VISTA model. It's uh, an incredibly um, complex model because the, the, the hospital system itself is a, is a very complex model. Okay, we move on to slide three. And I'll take over. Okay. Let's do the tag team thing. Tag team. Okay. We're on slide number three. Again, I'm David Witten speaking. Uh, we've got a few slides here where we're talking about VISTA, just for those who don't have a lot of information about it. The general idea is that it's being used at a lot of VAs, about 1,300 of them. Um, about 100,000 users are using it worldwide. Going on to slide four, you'll see that we're talking about with the client-server architecture, using a GUI for the front end for editing, uh, for clinically relevant data, and then also a terminal interface for power users and those that, that the GUI uh, information doesn't cover. Um, because it's a government, a government program, uh, security is very important. So there's a lot of uh, input into it to make sure that uh, when things are on the, um, on the computer, on the uh, main server, that it's a HIPAA compliant in terms of the capabilities, what you can see and what you can't see. Uh, the databases are, as we mentioned earlier, are based on a MUMPS variance. Uh, there's two big ones out there right now, a freedom open source software, one called GTM on the uh, Linux type architectures. And then there's uh, also one called Cache, which is not open source. Uh, both GTM and Cache, their uh, systems run on huge numbers of uh, machine, different kinds of machines. The Linux one is the only one that's open source that I know of. If you can name a, a computer, you probably have a mumps running on it. It's uh, a different uh, execution model than the SQL model, and as a result of that, um, it actually has a much faster type of organization and, and structure. Going on to page five, we talk about some of the information that's actually stored in Vista. This is a primarily text and computable data. We do have abilities to store radiological images, scanning uh, documents that people have signed personally, video clips, various kinds of things are available with the proper hardware and the proper um, 
accessibility. The significant portion about the Vista software is that it's a very integrated system, so no information is asked more than once unless, uh, unless it's a case of needing to be verified. For example, if you go into your radiology system, all the demographic information from the admission to the hospital is available, or possibly if it's a, an outpatient, then we'll use that same information when they're uh, being admitted or when they're doing radiation or any other things on the outside. Lab results are another good example of that. Going on to slide six, the, uh, the VA software is set up with a typical uh, traditional chart component type approach, discharge summaries, problem lists, lab results, all the normal things that doctors and clinicians need to know about their patients, either inpatient or outpatient, are stored in the VISTA system. Going on to page seven, you'll see that we also have uh, other types of information is there. Advanced directives, consent forms, some of these are available um, through a scanning process. But there's, we're also augmenting a lot of those with uh, electronic information about it as well. Again, the, the chart is augmented and includes all the kinds of things that clinicians normally need to know about their patients. Not only is VISTA available on the local level, on local uh, offices or local hospitals, looking on to slide number eight, you'll see that it's available uh, enterprise-wide. The VA actually has something called the Master Patient Index which is used to maintain a, a consistent database across the of different hospitals across the nation. We took advantage of the same slide to also talk about the different kinds of programming languages that are used in the model. Uh, initially, um, as we already said, the, the server tends to be a MUMP system. The other systems being used for GUI applications and other kinds of interface languages include Java, Visual Basic, Visual C++, uh, CGI's through Apache, Delphi. Some of these are more mature than others. This is all happening within the VA. It's a large, a large group, and there's many different directions it's going. As, as I'm sure Mark can uh, remind us of from his experience working with uh, health sharing. Looking on to slide nine, why would somebody want to use Vista? The primary advantages being modular, improving healthcare allowing multiple sources of data, uh, reducing cost by reducing duplicate orders, all kinds of data collection issues necessary for research and reporting, uh, quality assurance aspects. Usually we have no problem producing any information that we need for our JCO when the joint accreditation of hospitals come by, comes by our um, hospital. The, all that information that they need to validate that we are truly doing what we're saying we're doing is all available on the computer. Going on to slide 10, uh, there's actually some studies showing that VISTA reduces errors, uh, specifically having to do with uh, not the, the right information not being available to people at the time that they need it to make clinical decisions, as well as the incidental things having to do with handwriting and uh, those kinds of uh, just simply mechanical issues. One of the interesting things is that the VISTA system, uh, CPRS system specifically, uh, works on uh, tablet PCs as well as works with uh, voice recognition such as the Dragon Dictate stuff. Part of the uh, relevance to this particular talk is some of the automated clinical support which we'll get into in a few minutes. Uh, we have the clinical reminders that are regularly part of the care procedures so that people can uh, get warnings about uh, if someone needs an uh, inoculation or if somebody uh, is uh, known to be allergic to certain materials or 
things like that. All of these are supported by the VISTA system. And finally, we mentioned the fact that the consults and the orders are tracked um, from the beginning of the point of requesting all the way to the results coming back to the person requesting them in a totally electronic way. Going on to slide 10, 11, yeah. you'll see that um, we're talking about some of the uh, national standards that the VISTA system is adhering to. HL7 is a, is a very common one. Uh, I'm sure that most of the people that are listening know about DICOM, which is used for diagnostic imaging. The LOINC system is a, a laboratory of codes to have standardized lab tests. And of course, we know about HIPAA. SNOMED is a uh, method to keep track of uh, pathology reports originally, but it also goes on in, into talking about diagnosis and some of the uh, procedures that are done for that. And of course, there's just the classic ones. Because it's a computer system, we inter interact with IEEE and some of those kind of standards. The last one mentioned there is the VA National Drug File Reference terminology will be mentioned a little bit later when we're talking about the uh, drug problem of keeping track of uh, formularies and things like that. Finally, as, uh, as uh, Chris mentioned in passing, the uh, VISTA is a uh, public domain, which means that all of the source is freely available through the Freedom of Information Act and uh, accessible on the internet at fdp.va.gov slash VISTA slash software. There's a lot of information also in terms of documentation available at uh, www.va.gov slash VDL, where VDL stands for VISTA Documentation Library. There's a lot of uh, in, uh, aspects of the VISTA system that are uh, being developed outside of the VA, and we're encouraging people to put those uh, releases either in public domain or in some kind of open source license. Looking on to page 13, we started listing all of the different classification and areas that VISTA components are covering. Most of y'all have worked with hospitals or been involved with health information. You'll notice on page 13, page 14, page 15, that all, all the different aspects of the hospital that are covered in a VISTA system including everything from dietetics to patient care and encounters, recording uh, encounters and what kind of outcomes and diagnoses occurred, different types of pharmacy, different types of prosthetics, police, security, network, health exchange, decision support, all kinds of administrative things. We put this prim these slides primarily together so people can review them later at their leisure if they want to get an idea of the breadth of the VISTA system. And, and uh, uh, let me break in here for just a moment. Uh, one of the, the real powers of this, this whole system is that this is a framework that others can now build on, add, adding additional functionality using the same databases as many of these other uh, functionalities. So it, it, it's very easy to add additional um, capability to the, the, the model. As, as Chris is pointing out, one of the things that we encourage people to do is to understand the, the breadth of the system from an ontological point of view. It provides an awful lot of uh, already well-known information available by clinicians being actively used in hospital settings, which is it's very difficult to get if you're not actually involved in the hospital. It's hard to get some of this information, especially as we're looking forward um, the National Health Information Network and trying to get some of this information available outside of the VA, it would be very informative to folks to look at some of the documentation and some of the data structures that are created as part of the VISTA system. 
even if it turns out that you need to replicate them in a different environment, you'll have more source materials than you would have in any other way. Uh, just and a quick question. Sure. Uh, how long did it take to to get to this kind of uh, this kind of comprehensive coverage in terms of uh, the scope of the system? Well, the infrastructure was created in the first four or five years of the 1980s. Um, then it was actually installed in uh, Vista hospitals, uh, VA hospitals throughout uh, the nation, and it's been in continual development ever since about '85 in all of those hospitals. Thank you. It, it, it's been an evolutionary development. In, in fact, that's one of the the real powers of it is that it is, it, it is designed to to be improved and and extended. One more question. Could you repeat the URL? Sure. Uh, there, one URL is for information. That would be http colon slash slash www dot va dot gov slash vdl. Victor David Lawrence. In the library. Yeah. The, uh, for the software itself, mm -hmm. available through FTP, that's FTP colon slash slash ftp.va.gov slash vista, V-I-S-T-A, slash software, S-O-F-T-W-A-R-E, slash. Thank you. Good. We'll, we'll post these links onto the uh, session page later as sort of part of the additional information. One of the other things that's happening is um, this is an aside. The uh, World Vista organization is trying to throw together some information for people that want to uh, actually implement the Vista system outside of the VA, and it has a contract with uh, Iowa Foundation for Medical Care to uh, produce that information within the next nine months, and we'll be teaching some classes on that. So any information, if you'd like to have, it will be available from Chris, myself, and we'll make sure that um, Peter has access to or from our web addresses and things like that. It will be available through our website as soon as the um, as soon as the information is on. That'll be at the www.worldvista w o r l d v i s t a dot o r g. It'll be available off of the link off the front page. That's currently in a development process, by the way. So we're at looking at slide number 16. I stopped at this slide because it's talking about some of the infrastructure. Um, we'll be talking about some of this a, bit, a little bit later. One of the interesting things about the, uh, the organizational structure of the VISTA system is that it replicates in the programming level a higher level view of an operating system. For example, if you're familiar with the, um, the Linux operating system or a Unix operating system, they have uh, special parts of the file system that are, re are related to device handling and uh, to temporary storage, um, to information that's um, necessary to control background processing. All of these kind of things are available on the operating system level and are filtered through the, uh, the MUMPS language so that they are standardized across the uh, various implementation and vendors of MUMPS. The uh, VA then created what we call kernel, which is the VA kernel. Uh, again, that's intent is to be a very high-level operating system level interface. So, for example, storing things on disk, 
uh, and other things go through the kernel. So most of the code, I would say, 80 or 90 percent, right, Chris, is non uh, is non uh, implementation specific. Right. Yeah, well, it's probably more than 80. It's it's definitely more than 90 percent. There's there were only like 45 routines that had to be changed out of how many how many did we routines are currently in in Vista? Something it, in the order of 24,000. Right. And there's only 45 that had to be changed in order to, to re-host. To a different, to a different operating system, yeah. So, so you're saying that uh, um, Vista is implemented on top of the kernel, um, which is running on top of uh, MEMS. That's right. We call it the VA kernel for... It's a, yeah, it, it's, it's not a Linux kernel. It, it's a, it's a, it's a mumps kernel. Right. So, and you're saying that it's the kernel that uh, had only to be, you know, for porting purposes, had to right. be about 45 functions that to be changed or something like this? That, 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 that's correct. Yes. But the kernel itself, um, um, you, you were mentioning something like 24, I don't know, 100 or 1,000? 24,000 programs, yeah. Routines, right. And that's, that's applications that are running on top of the VA kernel, right? Correct. Right. Okay. Now, th this, this kernel is, is, uh, is really a toolkit. And the, the, the interesting thing is, is that people have taken the kernel, or at least FileMan, the, 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 the data dictionary portion of it, and used it for doing things like tracking um, inventory, for uh, uh, parts for airplanes and, and warehousing, you know, it's just uh, it, there's a, a lot of potential there for, for other applications. If you if you can't go to the hard hats mailing list, you'll find there's a lot of people that are involved in Vista, which may not necessarily all be involved in the medical aspects of Vista. Right. And the uh, the system itself is a very uh, very interesting combination of a hierarchical and a Relational database, right. uh, written by a man named George Timpson, which we'll probably get to um, later on, on on this page. You'll see other information about the the uh, patch modules, remote procedure calls. Everything is is set up in such a way that it's a very um, modular. very modular. If something needs to be changed, you don't have to change the entire system to modify things. Another aspect of MUMPS that is uh, not as well known is the fact that it greatly facilitates table-driven coding. So you can actually put uh, executable code in, uh, in databases and then execute from that database. So you're able to localize the need very specifically, which is part of why we can provide a very high-level approach to computing. Not only that, but you can also build code at runtime and, and execute it. It's a very late binding language. Very late binding. Let's go on to look at the next slide. Slide number 17 is uh, about CPRS. Chris, do you want to tell us about CPRS? <laughs> David, you're, you're actually the more uh, conversant on CPRS than I am. Why don't, why don't you take that? If, you, if we're looking at slide number 17, this is showing what we call the cover sheet, at least partially showing a cover sheet. Cover sheet com uh, contains uh, various components having to do with uh, the practice of medical care for a particular patient. As you'll see, we have a, our patient, Johnny Appleseed, being evaluated here. And this is typically what happens when a clinician opens up the graphical interface to the VISTA system. It keeps track of, uh, on the right, uh, 
Lower right, yeah. On the on the lower right, uh, what you don't see, I believe, is vital signs. But then uh, that's currently covered up with this notification about the uh, influenza vaccine and uh, being necessary. You've got information about the active problems that are being concerned. That itself is a uh, is a freely added uh, vocabulary. There's some discussion about trying to standardize that vocabulary, but it's still, at the current time, it's freely being added by clinicians when they need to describe new problems. Allergies, uh, as you can see in their example, they've got um, adverse reactions and other kinds of allergies, including walkthroughs, which I think is a, uh, a coding term. So clearly a programmer had something to do with the, uh, the allergies being put in for this particular person. The allergies itself, as we talked about later, will be uh, is part of the stand one of the standardization efforts currently happening. Mm -hmm. You notice over in the right-hand corner it says postings CWAD. This is a way of warning the clinician that there's uh, crisis notes and clinical warnings, allergies, and uh, directives associated with this particular patient. If one of those was not available, then the letter would not show up. And then again, in the postings, you'll actually see the days and times of the various kinds of notes, crisis notes, clinical warnings, allergies, etc. Each of these different elements can be clicked on, and more information is uh, available as a pop-up window. Let's see. Uh, then on the left-hand side, you also see active medications, and you see the um, lab results. The, on the right-hand side is the clinical warning, where you see influenza vaccine has been highlighted. This, uh, someone's actually highlighted that, and then that's what this pop-up window that you see here is. A clinical reminder is a uh, rudimentary expert system that's looking for different kinds of situations that are going on with uh, the care of someone. In this particular case, I think it's, uh, it's making sure that the person has an influenza vaccine at least once a year. And so that, as you notice, it has a due date and specified when that vaccine is necessary. Let's go on and look at my page number 18. This is just giving you a very fast overview of some of the aspects of CPRS. CPRS is uh, patient-centered. It's not uh, across a cohort, but simply a, a single patient. Right. I, we might mention that you know this is drawing together information from a variety of different departments of the hospital. The, the, you know, the doctor has not had to query each individual. Look, you know. Uh, department in order to get that information. It's all brought together at one time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, as we see, let's, let's go on and look at page number 19. This is an example of a clinical reminder. We just saw the one about influenza. Here's some more information about the details, about the dialogue involved because of a, the PACT assessment is needed. And as you, you can see, it's, it's primarily a point-and-click type interface. Uh, Clinicians are comfortable with that. Going on to page 20, you'll see some of the uh, exam uh, issues about clinical reminders. One of the things that we're very sensitive to is that the computer itself is an a, a aid to the clinical process. Clinical judgment is still necessary by all clinicians when using it. Uh, it's supposed to provide an augmentation to perhaps their memory or uh, to inform them about things about patients that they have not seen in a while. It's not intended to uh, suggest in any way the treatment that should be provided to them. At any time, the clinician can decide to take, to take advantage of a reminder, look at the information available to him, but it's intended to be advising the doctor. Going on to pay, uh, slide number 21, 
this we talked mentioned mentioned in passing about consults, how that you can make a request from one part of the hospital, send an electronic request to a different part of the hospital and request a consult for a patient. And this is an example of that screen. As you can see, it's got the days and times and then it has descriptions of what kinds of things are being requested for the, uh, the consult. Again, for Mr. Uh, uh, CPRS patient number two. So we've made very, very careful to make sure that we have uh, fake social security numbers and fake names for all of these, um, these examples here. Going on to slide number 22, you'll see a, another example of a, the graphical interface for the health status trying to you know, keep track of the various kinds of reminders involved. Uh, primarily, we're talking about reminders because this is one of the examples where there's a, a, an actual rule-based system inside of VISTA to keep track of all of the different things that are needed to happen and needing to go on with the patient care. Looking on slide 23, we'll go through a few slides here talking about the various parts of the government and other entities that are using VISTA. Slide 23 talks about the uh, some of the VISTA, the federal adopters of VISTA in, ver in its various incarnations. Uh, slide 24 talks about various states and cities that are evaluating and adopting VISTA. Uh, the uh, international adopters are on page 25. Uh, page 26 talks about recent em embracers, people that are interested, expressed an interest. Uh, most of this I think that you can probably find out more from talking to Mark Wine, who this is the kind of work he was doing previously talking about IT sharing between governments. Mark, is the GSA work you're doing now going to also involve this as well? He's muted. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Slide number 27 talks about some of the community outside of the VA, the hard hat system. There's a mailing list and various kinds of website available that's on that page. Um, it also talks about the, the various forms of VISTA uh, MUMPS applications. Because the VA system is built on Freedom of Information Act software that, uh, available that we're talking about, we've drawn a diagram on slide number 28 showing how the World VISTA community is tied to the various kinds of users. Uh, we, we function in a sense as a, a gateway to the information available from the U.S. government. Anybody can actually go to and get the, a Freedom of Information Act release if they choose to which is available at the FTP site I mentioned a few minutes ago. The uh, World Vista tries to take that information and package it in such a way that it's usable with a little less uh, running, getting up to speed. We have a collaborative development process with programmers outside the VA and then a, a distribution process to this uh, users. We give feedback to the U.S. government for any bug, bug fixes or enhancements that we receive from the community. So it's, a, it's very much of a communal uh, uh, symbiotic type relationship. Mm -hmm. Looking at uh, slide number 29, we've got some information about the MUMPS technology, you know, M technology, for anybody who's curious and then wants to know a little bit more. That's also on page uh, slide number 30. As we said before, it's a, it's a very um, it, it's, it's a very dynamic type of environment. It's been around a while since, since the late 60s, and so it has a lot of different kinds of capabilities all built into the same system. Yeah. It was originally developed on a, a National Institute of Health, I'm sorry, um, uh, a uh, National Bureau of Standards uh, grant uh, back in, in 65, by the way. At Massachusetts General Hospital. Right. 
is why the M in, in mumps, in mumps is, uh, stands for three letters. Looking at slide number 31, we have some information about some of the uh, various kinds of interfaces and tools that are available to things stored into a MUMPS technology system or a VISTA system. And on 32, we finally start to talk about ontologies. <laughs> These are the... Um, David? One second, please. Okay. Um, let's see. Actually, ontologies are, are David's strong point, so but here, here I, let me try and cover for him. Uh, there, there have been efforts to uh, provide a, a, a controlled vocabulary, and um, this, this is future work that um, will be coming into this. Um, I, I, there's um, some quite a bit of discussion and, and, uh, as to the actual uh, set of uh, vocabularies that will be used. Um, but um, it's, it will be uh, in the offing before too terribly long. Um, formalization rules and facts. Uh, yeah, let's see. Let, let, let me... Oh, he's, he's already zipped past the... Uh, the hey, maybe I have a question uh, sure. that goes back a little bit. Just now, I mean, the two... two uh, links were given. The, what does the VDL link take us to? I mean, VDL uh, is the uh, Vista documentation library. Oh. It is, it is um, PDF and, and uh, Word documents uh, describing uh, the, the programmer's guides, the installation guides, uh, user's guides and manuals and um, anything that that's available for uh, for uh, implementing any of the uh, different aspects of Vista. Uh, there is an incredible amount of information there. There's nearly uh, 150 different uh, packages documented there as well as um, some uh, what they call class three applications, which are ones that were developed by individual sites that may have limited uh, interest to other sites and have not been nationally mandated. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, yes. I mean, actually, I was uh, I, I missed the the acronym for VDL. Now, now you've sort of explained ah. it. Uh, my other question is on the software download. I mean, is is there any difference? between, let's say, the, the uh, FOIA release of that software, which is from the VA.gov. Yes, uh, there is. The open um, Vista uh, download. Uh, there is. Uh, basically, there has been some modifications uh, in order to run on the uh, open source platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the open source version of, of MUMPS from uh, Fidelity, Fidelity's primary primary business is actually in banking and, and banking systems. Um, but they've, they've magnanimously uh, provided their, their uh, MUMPS interpreter you know, uh, compiler uh, as open source. And, and it is, it, it's available for, for open use on x86 machines, uh, as many users as you can fit on there. And, and uh, it's a quite a sizable number. Uh, uh, it, it's quite uh, saltifying to see a, 
uh, a single PC running a, a whole clinic. So I, I remember there was some mentioning about sort of proprietary uh, DBMS like uh, Cache. Cache, and right. Yes. How how do you get around that going into Open Vista? Well, you you have to buy the licensing for for Cache, or you you get the, a an evaluation copy from them. Right. That's exactly my question. So so does that mean one will have less featured running the Open of running Open Vista, or or have you guys re rewritten those portions where originally uh, proprietary software were used? Well, uh, we we are migrating as much uh, of the functionality. Okay, first of all, there, there's nothing. Uh, well, there there are some uh, vendor supplied extensions within Cache, and but they are not necessarily ANSI standard. We, you know, Vista was laboriously and and you know painfully written to the the ANSI standard, as well as their own internal uh, you know software uh, standards. Uh, there's this is one of the things that has allowed it to continue to, to be relatively platform independent. Now, the, the differences are being reflected in uh, specific tables that uh, the, the kernel uses. And it, when you go to install the kernel, you tell it what, what operating system you're, you're installing on, on which version of, of, of mumps or cache. And it will configure that that environment, that, you know, the, the Vista environment to that that particular. Uh, well, following on that question, that means this is not really kind of free in a sense, though, because you got to buy all these add-ons. By the time you do, no, you no, buy no. all this. Hang things. on, hang on, because you don't have to to if you go with the the open Vista version uh -huh. and run it on Linux. It has to run on Linux or Windows, sir. It both. Okay, it runs on uh, the uh, but, but XP or something like that. Uh, I'm sorry. It runs on Windows XP. It, yes, it does. But uh -huh. it, but there you you're not going to be running uh, the open source version uh -huh. of uh, GTM. Uh -huh. That's only for Linux. Uh -huh. And uh, you know there it's free. Uh -huh. You know I mean the uh, the operating system is free. The um, the the mumps engine is free and, and the so the so, the, so you're saying that if uh, if, if somebody has a um, an open source database um, uh, of some kind mm -hmm. um, or you know as long as um, or, or or any other database that that has uh, some kind of a standard um, interface that you can present to to mumps um, then you're saying is that we can then um, um, uh, put mums on top of that database or a set of several databases as long as there is this uh, database standard requirement that is met. Well, oh, okay, hang on. Uh, we're, we're, we're mixing some apples and oranges here. Um, the uh, mumps itself is a database. It's a programming language and database. It, it is a, uh, and we have you know, when I, I was working for SAIC and uh, we were doing CHCS, we were constantly being confronted with um, different third-party vendors who had their own databases that they wanted to, to 
you know, have access to, to CACS for, for their databases. And, uh, in fact, at uh, one time, the uh, vendors came to us and said, well, we would like to, to get some data from you. And they said, and we said, well, what data would you like? And they said, we want a doll. So at a couple of test sites, LaunchDuel Germany uh, is one, uh, we started downloading uh, Vista to their, uh, you know, their third-party database, and it ran for six and a half days before they ran out of disk space. Um, one of the nice things about MUMPS is that it's extremely space efficient. Uh, it, it is a, what they call a sparse matrix array processor. Uh, it, it is, um, you can create the first element of an array and the millionth element of an array, and you've only created two elements. And you imply all the rest. They don't exist. So they aren't taking up any space. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, capability there that uh, it's not apparently obvious when you first start into it, and it, and it looks like it's should, you know, it's, it seems too simple, and it is simple, but the uh, application is, uh, looks a, very, a great deal like the problem that it's trying to solve, and it's very easy for someone to go in and, and correct a, a, a problem. For instance, uh, when I was out at China Lake, uh, I was working for the Navy at the time and supporting a MUMP system out there, and uh, we were we had a problem to reverse engineer uh, 60,000 lines of assembler code for a weapon system. Um, a similar application was being done in Ada, where they they had dedicated a, a, a data general MB 10,000, and it would run for three or four days and then fall over dead, and they were having a hard time identifying where the problem was. Uh, we did the same thing in in mumps and um, we were generating pseudo-Pascal to document the assembler code. It happened to be TI assembler. So, this so what is, this is Denise. I thought I was the only one who had ever lived in China Lake. Well, you aren't the only one. <laughs> so, so I'd like to understand what is the difference between the data that you save in MUMPS versus the data that um, somebody else mentioned you saved in, in, in Cache, or this is actually... Oh, well, Cache and, and uh, Cache supports the ANSI standard, but is a superset of the ANSI standard. I, I understand that, but uh, what I'm asking is... The uh, difference. That, that's one of the beautiful things about it, is that the data itself is extremely transportable. So what I'm asking is... Uh, Certainly. Then uh, you, you said MEMS is itself a database, whereas my, I thought you were... I thought that MEMS was some kind of a interface to several databases. No, it is a database of its own, as okay. well as being a programming language. Okay, so then, in a, in, in a typical um, installation or setup of, uh, of, of Vista, mm -hmm. then um, if we have MUMPS and, say, Cache and, say, an, an Oracle database, okay. what would be the information that would be stored in, in Cache or Oracle or whatnot versus the information that would be stored in, in MUMPS? Okay, I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question, okay, so except that like, uh, the, the data yeah. from, from MUMPS is the same as what would you would be storing in cache. 
Well, I guess the question is that why you need Cache or Oracle or any other database if MUMS is basically both a database management system and uh, a programming language. I guess that's the question that I yeah, ask. You really don't. Uh, you know, and, and you'll find this speed is, is one of the characteristics of... So, so you could just run MUMS without any database at all? Well, it is its own database, yeah. Right. But you don't have to have the commercial database. Yeah. So what does uh, having a commercial database buy somebody who wants to use you know, Vista? Mm -hmm. what, 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 what's the benefit of having a database? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't do it, but uh, that, that, that's just me. I think the question might be, what if someone already has a commercial database? If they have a commercial uh, database, you can set up an interface to it. it it's not that difficult. Uh, you know, the... the the I/O is 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 very low level, and it's it, the current Vista system handles RPC calls as well as HL7. So if you can generate HL7 out of your your commercial database, there's no reason why you can't accept it into to Vista. And so, in comparison, then, then to uh, say a typical run-of-the-mill SQL database that may not know anything about, say. Ontologies that you can well, there, there, there actually is SQL available under under uh, MUMS. Um, you know, you don't have to leave it at, at home, but uh, y you know, if you go to MUMS. Right. So, so I guess what I was uh, trying to ask then is, uh, if we take uh, MUMS and, and and the kernel that you have on top of it, um, and uh, as a uh, essentially a, a database on steroids for doing, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the semantic stuff. Then, um, what, what, how, how would you, or what would be a good way to to think about uh, what additional capability in terms of uh, uh, handling um, uh, useful formats like uh, maybe RDF or OWL or other representations, or perhaps uh, services? Uh, if, if there's a published uh, interface for it. There's, it really didn't take us very long to, to generate new interfaces for, for uh, you know, existing uh, protocols. It, it, it's very quick. Not only that, but, uh, I mean, there, there are actually um, uh, other open source products that are part of Vista or, or being migrated into open Vista, for instance, like M2Web which is uh, development of the University of uh, California Davis Veterinary School, um, where they actually generate web, um, web pages on the fly from a, a, a MUMPS database. Now, to give you a, a rough idea of, of the density of the, the data in, in the MUMPS database, um, half a million uh, patient records are stored in say about 120 gigabytes of storage. Oh, yeah. That's complete his histories and everything. It's extremely space efficient. And so you were mentioning, um, and, and I understand that uh, your colleague perhaps might have been more background about um, um, you know, the section on the presentation about ontologies than, than, than what you've been focusing on. But so at some point, if uh, there's this kind of uh, highly um, um, dense or, or, or representation efficient um, 
efficiency of, of information in, in the MEMS database. Mm -hmm. um, the flip side is that when we, you, you, you mentioned on slide 34, consistency and integrity, Mm -hmm. I, I can understand that someone might have a concern about, well, how do we know that, um, you know, certain constraints across the database are, uh, are, uh, are, are met or, or uh, are satisfied, because it might be actually tricky to even just get at the data if it was not originally organized. To be well, okay, well, there, it actually is, uh, there is a data dictionary that describes, you know, how the information is laid out if it's there. And, uh, you know, it is a potential. And there, you can mark specific fields as being required. And your application also can identify uh, specific data elements as being required. So um, the, the business logic is, is embedded in the data dictionary as well as in the applications and um, a lot of the, the, uh, the triggers and the like that that would be um, fired if if there was a um, an exception. Um, it, it it's a very interesting model. Did that answer your question? I, I, I probably um, not. Um, can you say it again? Well, my, I mean, this is Nicholas Rocket. Um, I was asking more about um, given that um, in months. Um, it's easy for a data for a database to be really large, right? Uh, and and include a lot of information, right? Then um, um, at some point, um, it, it somebody can raise a concern about, I mean, legitimately so about. Well, how do we know that the data in the database itself uh, makes sense and and so on? Because there 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 are self check. Um, right. There, there's some amount of expressiveness and some amount of, uh, of, of consistency that we can get through um, um, a, a careful you know, construction of the database with required fields and, well, it, it's very and, easy and validation. To, it's very easy to put together a month's routine that's going to whip through, you know, hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of, of uh, records and give you intermediate results. Right. Quick, I, I mean, it, it, I understand that, but the question is, at some point, somebody may need like some kind of, a, you know, bird's eye view about. Sure. Uh, well, there's so many tables, so many fields, so many things. Right. So many routines that do various kind of specific consistency, integrity checks of some kind or another. Right. Overall, um, what are we really? Um, um, what what is the class of, of of consistency integrity checks that are done on the database? Is there are, are, you know especially this becomes important when somebody perhaps wants to say, you know, if we could uh, say have somebody add ten more say checks, what would be useful to add? How how do you how do you in in, in MEMS get around to even having an idea that, well, you know, we're pretty good about checking consistency for those kinds of things, but we don't have much in, in this area. We need to add more. Right. How, how do you... Well, you know? a, a, again, that's a judgment call. That's something that, that you know, one of the beauties of the, the way in which Vista was developed, it, it actually was uh, an evolutionary process. 
where the people who were putting input into the, the, the design and the implementation of, of the, the applications were experts themselves. They were, they were the pharmacists and the doctors and the, the lab techs who had to use this software day in and day out. It wasn't a product that was just turned over to, to the end user and said, now use it. It was something that they had to live with. And right. so they did a, a really I, I, good I understand. Job. I mean, that, that was great for, essentially, for the, the, the historical development of, 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 of Vista. Mm -hmm. But when we're looking at, um, in, in this, you mentioned World Vista, Open Vista, where you may have other organizations that may not have had, perhaps, as much experience or, or access to as much um, expertise uh, to, to kind of guide them into the design of their their own databases, you know, then they're bound to, to essentially run into similar issues okay. about, well, uh, how do we do this kind of things? Right. And, and so then the question becomes relevant about, well, how does somebody get an idea mm -hmm. about um, how, essentially, how safe is the database in terms of uh, the, the scope of the consistency integrity checks are done in various ways. Boy, well, this is this is part of the challenge that we're we're confronting right now is is identifying how to to allow people to expand the existing functionality without breaking it. And and um, and and I understand that yes, it's a big challenge, and nobody has magic bullet answers. What I w would like to, you know, to hear from you is, uh, you know, perhaps how would you, you know, with a magic wand, um, do it if you if you if you could. Well, we or, we, we have a, a, a methodology of uh, name spacing and number spacing of the um, the data dictionary, such that localizations can be done in such a way that they're guaranteed not to be stepped on by future releases from uh, World Vista. And that that's one of the big challenges, is, is providing the, um, the methodology for adding functionality so in such a way that it is not destroyed whenever you upgrade from, from our, our, our uh, you know, our, our patch stream. And that, that's part of it, is that the, the, the there's a methodology called uh, KIDS, which is a, um, a kernel installation tool for uh, providing uh, patches to the existing software in such a way that uh, it helps identify what the differences are in the database as well as in the, uh, in the routines so that localizations are easy to identify, and if you want to put them back in, you've got a pretty good idea of where to do that. And you mentioned localizations by namespaces or in numbers. Right. What what, what the could you could you describe hey, for instance for instance what, what that means? Um, I myself have a, 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 a namespace of RRC and a number range of. Uh, Two one five zero 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 to two one five zero one zero. Okay, so I I can create any files that I want that are in that numbers range, and that the begin with you know the, the databases begin with RRC, okay. and nobody will 
will uh, you know has the the the, the right to, to create one by that that n namespace. Okay, and and then how do you deal with uh, identifying or tracking the various ways in which one essentially namespace, like say RC two one five zero zero, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. might depend on say um, ABC one two. Well, we we have a centralized individual who is the uh, repository of all of the namespaces. R right, but say um, somebody might have, uh, you know, say you might declare a new table. Right. Uh, that may add, in, add some entries, and that might refer to perhaps information in some other table in somebody else's namespace. That's fine. So how do you... Easy to do. Right, right, I understand. How do you then, tr or do, how do you track then um, the different ways in which um, uh, information in one namespace might actually depend in various ways into information in well, there, there, in that there is now this relationship that's been built the, it, that would be reflected in the package file I would create a package say RRCX mm -hmm. that is um, say a, a summary of the air trap happens to be that there is a um, capability in, in mumps that whenever uh, a software stops or is caused to stop that the symbol table and the environment is recorded so that somebody in a postmortem can come back and take a look and see what what has happened mm -hmm. you know and there are certain pieces of information that are very important to understanding what was going on at the time now I, I cherry-pick those pieces of information and summarize it in such a way that it's and correlate them by the error so that we can identify what parts of the code are, are causing a problem right now. And, and that, that allows us to focus our efforts in, in you know, sealing up the, the application even tighter than, than what it already is. This is David Witten. I'm back. You're back. I'm sorry. I work in a hospital. Sometimes crises happen. Yes, they do. What slide are we on, please? 32. Okay. Left off. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. No, okay. no, no. That's okay. We, we actually answered an awful lot of questions while you were gone, so it's not a problem. Continue okay. on. Okay. Um, these are the definitions uh, on slide 32 that we're using to describe what is an ontology. I think it's a pretty standard one that most people in this group use. Uh, ontologies are either used in the concepts of controlled vocabularies and taxonomies, or they're used in terms of uh, rules and facts and uh, some kind of first-order logic type of semantics. Significant things, are, I believe, in, in terms of a, a hospital system are the things mentioned here. The things need to be organized in a hierarchy so that you can have inheritance involved, um, that you actually do have a first-order logic type semantics that you have a classification system that includes specialization generalization rules, uh, a inferencing type uh, in, uh, mechanism available, rules engine perhaps, uh, and finally that you have search that's actually uh, using the rules and facts as part of its uh, finding of significant uh, vocabulary or significant uh, issues in the taxonomy. Looking on to slide number 33, how does VISTA use ontologies? There's two answers, and they're both true. The first one is that VISTA doesn't use ontologies. That's not quite true. Um, it's, the fact is VISTA's been around quite a long time. 
and various aspects of the system have been, uh, as new thoughts and new concepts are available um, in terms of general computing, then they've been implemented at various points in different packages of VISTA. Um, one of the things I would say that the VISTA doesn't have a, an explicit formal ontology is because there's not an overarching ontology with an upper ontology that can be uh, is, is comfortable to somebody who's coming from the pure taxonomy world. Question. Yes. Is there any initiative in, uh, to do it? That I certainly know that there's... On the drawing board or just being talked about? As far as I know, depending on the particular area, there's quite a lot of initiative. Mm. Uh, I know that when, when I answer the question saying that VISTA does use ontologies, I'll try to elaborate on some of the ways uh, that it's being enhanced. Um, generally speaking, medicine, medicine is a, an integral part of a human society, just as much as eating is. And as a result of that, when you're saying that you want to have a medical ontology, you're not really cutting down the space of how much of, of all of the world do you actually need to ontologize. Um, but in the, specifically in the medical environment, there have been efforts to have rule-based systems, expert systems, uh, hierarchies, controlled vocabularies. All of these have happened over the different years that this has been in existence. Uh, at one point, there was some, a rule-based system to try to uh, suggest possible diagnoses, uh, as I recall, for mental, uh, mental health issues. Some of those works are still going on. Um, but again, it's, it's depending on who you're talking to and where you're, what you're interested in. I personally think that there's a great advantage of using ontologies, uh, trying to take the, explicit, the implicit ontologies that's within VISTA and try to make them explicit so that you can uh, augment them by with some rules and some conditions and extra constraints. We'll get into that in a few later slides. Can I uh, ask a question, Dave? Sure. Uh, Bob Smith. Hi, Bob. Uh, Peter was at a conference on Monday where we heard, among other things, some of the major pilots that are going on within the federal enterprise architecture with a lot of potential projects with a federal health architecture as it relates to the data reference model and version 1.00 being um, evaluated by Mike DeCotta. I guess my question is, um, a lot of people at IDX, uh, Epic, Cerner, are probably scared to death that a competing company might take the freeware of Vista and make it extremely attractive to many small uh, hospitals, physician offices, practices, and basically overnight um, put them out of business. Well, well, Epic and IDX are not strangers to the, this technology, though. You know, I mean, it, it's not like they've never heard of it before or used it. Right. My, I guess my question is, uh, following up on, on Peter's question of a, a more focused approach to considering evolutionary path. You, you uh, used the word dynamic in your title of the presentation. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a dynamic and exciting things in terms of 
what is currently going on with the Nationwide Health Information Network electronic health records. Mm -hmm. And it strikes me that the developments around OWL and services provide an excellent uh, set of opportunities to get choreography of various initiatives so there's a greater alignment among the vast number of people interested in VISTA. Part of what's happening also is, is I think, uh, sister organizations such as Open EHR mm -hmm. have an extremely explicit uh, format for dealing with this alignment of suggested changes to changed technology opportunities with their governance model going uh, quite deep and very explicit with, uh, with graphics. Is there a similar effort going on within the leadership of VISTA, World VISTA? Uh, I, would, I would say that within the leadership of World VISTA, since I'm part of the leadership and I've been in, in, engaged in this community a long time, uh, there's a large knowledge about um, necessary alignments that have to happen as part of ontologies interacting with existing systems. Um, you used the uh, analogy of a choreography or of a dancing going on. I think this is a, a very good dance partner in terms of the total breadth of healthcare information that's actually stored in Vista. In terms of uh, the a somewhat company taking Vista and going out into the marketplace, that's not the purpose of World Vista. World Vista's purpose is to provide information to people that are interested in the Vista system. Uh, if there chooses to be someone that's com commercially interested, that would be their choice. And um, I suspect that Epic and Cerner and all the very large companies all have strong opinions about a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And they may be out of business uh, quite rapidly. Uh, I, th I think there's some very smart people that work for them, and I think that they've got uh, very flexible systems. The people that I've known that have been involved with them um, Probably they could use something like uh, the OWL uh, ontologies, perhaps some of the stuff that Adam Pease is doing with Sumo, uh, possibly even some of the, uh, the ontology work done with uh, Psychor mm -hmm. uh, to try to align some of their, their processes with the VISTA processes um, or with each other. I mean, one of the significant issues that anytime you have a huge system like VISTA is, I mean, we're talking about thousands of tables and thousands and tens of thousands of fields in each uh, in all the tables you know anytime you have something of that size uh, you know you have the, the the classical situation of the 500 pound gorilla he's able to sleep pretty much where he wants to sleep so um, are you guys going to be available for um, uh, getting in contact with uh, later on you talking about Chris and myself yes oh yes yeah, so we're we're available on the internet we have, you know, emails will be available if you need to talk to them from, from um, Peter. I'm on the mailing list itself for Ontolog. Yeah, me too. Good. So, uh, you know, we've made a, a commitment from World Vista to keep track of new technologies, and ontologies are ones that we know are going to come come into play, especially with the, the work of trying to get the Vista system available outside of the VA. Uh, this is Rex uh, Brooks, and I'm actually building one of those uh, 
pilot. So I'm going to be calling you without a doubt. Feel free. Very good. Yeah, one, one, one of my suggestions on, on the wiki page is uh, if you have questions, write uh, Rex, uh, write uh, David or Chris, but better still post it to the Ontolog forum. Then everybody else gets the, the advantage of uh, learning through this dialogue, which is oh, exactly where we're trying to, to get everybody on board. Excellent. I will be doing that. And as, as Peter's uh, intimating, th those are questions that are related to ontologies and health information systems, general health information type questions. If it's specific things about VISTA, I don't think we need to bore people with, you need to uh, configure your system to do this or to do that to make mail work properly. Uh, well, we'll take that offline, but there will be some more general inform uh, emergency management type information for being able to set up a system and design it so that it well, so that it's useful. Right, and, and we do have VISTA community meetings from time to time in different locations. Our last one was in April in Boston. We're um, going to have one in the fall, uh, possibly in the middle part of the United States. We're still trying to get the venue worked out exactly. So we do have, have in-person ways for people to learn things as well as yeah. uh, the telephone calls that we have on Fridays, et cetera. Okay, um, let's go ahead. I, I don't know how much time we still have available. Uh, you uh, still have about half an hour. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. Looking at, uh, looking at slide 33 a little bit more, um, some of the things I'm sure that we covered while I was gone, control vocabularies exist for managing workload, managing diagnoses. Uh, expert systems exist uh, for order checking when they're done through the graphic interface. Um, the permission system for uh, for notes, progress notes, is all rule-based and hierarchy-driven. Let's look on to slide 34. This is going on to what the uh, what I elaborated on a few minutes ago about how Vista has an implicit ontology. If you look at the database records, um, the database system in the VA is a is a very flexible system. I guess is the best way to describe it. It's uh, it's hierarchical based on Codd and Date's original theories. Um, one of the things that SQL didn't handle too well was the idea of columns that were subtables themselves mm -hmm. and um, rows that had sub-rows as part of their uh, definition. But uh, the guy who, uh, George Simpson, who I mentioned earlier, who actually had read the book um, before SQL came out, decided he'd implement, uh, implement their theories, which is what is the, what do we call the VA file man. So it's a database uh, management system that uh, has uh, tables that have columns and rows, but each of the rows themselves can have sub-rows and each of the columns can have sub-columns. Uh, generally speaking, it's hard to, to get much more than six, D, six levels of, of uh, recursion on that process. People get really confused when you have more than that, which is incidentally exactly uh, related to the fact that people get confused when you have more than uh, six, uh, six area uh, predicates. Then the interesting point is that those, the two structures map one to one. So there's a reason why uh, people's conceptualization starts to break down right about the time where uh, the uh, structures for some of the implementations start to break down. Uh, another way that ontologies are used, uh, as I mentioned, is um, the consistency and integrity maintenance. There's an awful lot of uh, table-driven and uh, procedural information to make sure that you have constraints that are built into the system, and mm -hmm. um, you can do things like when you change a value of a field that it will automatically update a value in another table. 
it would automatically send an email to the person to, that this information has been modified and it may need to be verified. Uh, there's a whole series of audit capabilities that are all built into the system. Uh, as you would expect from any system that's been had over 20 years of active usage. Looking at slide 35, I started to talk a little bit about the, uh, hi the hierarchical and the consistent vocabularies. And I've uh, mentioned some of the ones here. Uh, there's a lexicon used for diagnosis and for uh, procedure uh, documentation based on the UMLS. I'll get on to the next slide about that. The National for Data Drug Formulary that we mentioned earlier, the National Drug File, provides a lot of information about ingredients, uh, standard ingredients that are in drugs that are available, uh, generic compounds, drug-drug uh, interactions are based on that, drug-food interactions are based on that file. Uh, there's also a standardization process that's ongoing to, uh, to actually find information that's not in the national drug file that, that probably should be, uh, some of the additional drug classes that are done. Uh, one of the things most people aren't aware of is that the Veterans Administration is an, a very significant research, medical research organization in the, in the, v, in the United States. Every, uh, you know, every VA or practically every VA hospital is affiliated with a, a medical school. And as a result of that, there's a lot of faculty that are both VA employees as well as medical school employees. Any of those doing research, a lot of them do their research at VA facilities. And so, in general, there's an awful lot of experimental drugs that are going through the VA system that people are not aware of in the national formulary. It, the VA system requires the capability of uh, inf putting information in about all of the standard things that you need to do, drug-drug uh, interactions, uh, standardized dosages, all these kind of things, uh, medication routes, um, ways things are packaged. All of that has to be modifiable at the local level because of the heavy investment that the VA has made in research. Also, a consistent vocabulary is the ICD-9 uh, DRGs. Uh, as we all know, this is actually maintained by the American Medical Association. I've given an idea of roughly how many of these things are out there. I'm sorry, the, uh, the CPT codes are from the AMA, not the ICD-9s. And then finally, there's a hierarchy based on the uh, progress notes. The various kinds of progress notes that can be made are uh, organized in hierarchies so that you have nursing notes and within nursing notes you have uh, various subclasses of nursing notes to the point of actually getting to a writing a note. Looking on to slide 36 is some of the information about the uh, Unified Medical Lexicon System. This is a controlled vocabulary system that is um, that is data-driven. As you can see, there's various kinds of usages and concepts that are combined together to make expressions. Um, it makes a very, very, very flexible system in terms of describing care with the semantic maps. And we can get into more details about this at a, a different talk, but I'm just giving you an overview of some of the things that are available in the VA. Going on to slide number 37, I go into a little bit more information about how some of the hierarchical-driven systems exist. The uh, two of the obvious ones are the ones having to do with the, um, the security system and the menu items available through the text interface. These are all organized based on the people are doing. In terms of creating a, uh, in creating a specialized uh, medical ontology or an ontology of actions, this would be a very effective way of trying to capture some of the day-to-day -day operations of a hospital 
uh, the kinds of people that do them, and um, what kind of information they need to do them. Within the CPRS, the graphical interface, there's a, a, a hierarchy um, including inheritance uh, based on a, a whole series of different types of ways of um, specifying default values. Uh, there's starting at the individual level, then there's department-wide defaults, there's software subsystem defaults like pharmacy or uh, outpatient pharmacy or things like that, and then you have, you have local hospital-wide uh, requirements or defaults for some of these settings. These values are used not just for the data entry, but also they're used as part of the data presentation within the graphical interface. Um, the rule-driven capabilities we're talking about here are all related to uh, the security system that we spoke of just a moment ago. The idea, uh, I gave one example here that students require cosigners, but there's a, you know, hundreds of these different rules that you have to do. Um, so there's cases where certain kinds of medical fellows are allowed to modify certain kinds of progress notes or some certain kinds of information, but not allowed to, uh, to modify others. There's um, places where things have to be co-signed even within the professional realm because of verification requirements. The, the uh, joint accreditation of hospitals is very stringent about data quality and trying to maintain good records in the system. Since most of our records in the Veterans Administration are not paper, the uh, electronic record is considered to be the official record. As a result of that, the, uh, there's a lot of information that has to be learned, a lot of ways to develop and uh, maintain information about the care process. Looking on to slide number 38, I uh, gave some information about order checks. There's an expert system within the, within the uh, graphical interface uh, that maintains information about the various kinds of orders that are made, what kind of checks are made. Um, there's a rule-based uh, expert system involved there. Uh, as you can tell, looking at the last of the slides, you'll see that there's the patient rule event. And you can see that's where all of the uh, specific data for a particular occurrence of an event comes into play. From the system I was looking at, about 300,000 records exist on that. Most of them are very small. The system is relatively new. It's probably been around for about three years, is my understanding. Uh, there was some rudimentary stuff done before, but in terms of really trying to give uh, a lot of this stuff available in a, a rule form, this is uh, the beginning, I believe. Most of the, uh, the rule-type things that were done before were actually coded in procedural langu programming language. Looking on to slide number 39. Here, here, here's the audience test. What's the difference between 38 and 39? Yes, nothing. Yes, Chris. Oh, the, actually, the slide number. The slide number, yes. yes. <laughs> okay, onward to slide number 40. Um, this is a slide number 40 has a list of some of the kinds of uh, order checks that are currently used. As you can tell, there's various kinds of duplicate checking, uh, duplicate orders of various sorts. Um, as you notice, we take very seriously issues about uh, uh, controlled substances. We have checks for duplicate opiate uh, medications specifically checked for, and there's various other kinds of checks. Uh, I filled up the slide and got tired of filling them in. So. Uh, Chris, yes. uh, this is Nicholas Ruquet. Uh, while um, you were away, I, I was asking uh, you know, David about... Um, no, no, you were asking Chris. Is um, it? I'm sorry. I'm David is the one who, who's... The okay. other way around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Terminology mismatch. Okay, yes, terminology mismatch. What can I do? Nope. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> what I was about to ask uh, was uh, how do you get an idea 
about the coverage from an ontological point of view or a semantic point of view of um, the different kind of semantic checks that you have, like the, those that you've uh, described here, um, when we're looking at, you know, perhaps a large database in, in MUMPS, uh, and, and, and where... Challenge. You're, you're, you're hitting part of the point very, very strongly. Uh, coverage is very important. Um, generally speaking, our coverage is driven by the medical process. I understand, but uh, what I'm trying to, I mean, I understand that also, the, you know, it, it, it's a challenge that is not just unique here, but it, it you know, affects everybody, but in, in, in this forum in particular, it's, um, it, I believe it's uh, a, a unique opportunity to, to get uh, some kind of um, practical um, uh, view from people like, like yourselves, where you've dealt with this kind of system for many, many years, where you, you might have uh, some kind of uh, essentially uh, lessons learned or some kind of wisdom developed in, in various practices that perhaps predate even the semantic web. I mean, if, if, if MUMPS was developed in the 60s, I mean, it probably does. Um, and um, but, but yet, uh, in, in, in today's you know, way of thinking would look like, well, gee whiz, you know, uh, we did semantic checking for 20 years now. Uh, and um, as uh, Chris was mentioning, through uh, um, you know, driven by doctor's process and, and, and various, uh, you know, uh, trials and errors. David was mentioning uh, some kind of a kit system that extracts some information from errors and patches and whatnot to kind of uh, get at some perhaps um, information that says, well, we're missing certain checks here and there, uh, and I was kind of asking about um, if, if you perhaps had the, uh, you know, uh, if all of the problems were easy to solve, um, in the context of Vista, what would you do, or what kind of capability would you would you would you need, or 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 would like to have, or or perhaps uh, uh, questions that you could easily ask of the system um, in order to make an assessment about the coverage of the consistency and integrity checks in the database relative to what people do and use the database for? Well, there, there are two aspects of what you're talking about, and let me uh, try to deal with them separately. Uh, one aspect is the coverage in terms of the rules in, needs of, in terms of practice, right? Um, and the second one is uh, the coverage in terms of um, the theoretical, what's, what could be done to, to get a complete coverage. Right. Um, in terms of practice, uh, one of the things that you have to recognize in evaluating the system is that the system is an advisor, right? The system is a, uh, a recorder of information necessary for the clinical process. But as I mentioned earlier, one of the things we, we are committed to is that clinical judgment is not something that is mechanical. Cl clinical judgment is something that a clinician has and has learned and has been trained in. As a result of that, there are times when a, uh, a practice is, is warned, uh, uh, perhaps a clinical reminder occurs or a drug-drug interaction or a drug-food interaction occurs, um, and the clinician specifically chooses to ignore that. Now, one of the things that uh, makes the, makes it difficult uh, for
for the from uh, automatic analysis perspective is that the clinician is not required to note that they choose to ignore that. They just simply ignore it as part of their practice. If we required a uh, the system to document all the decisions made by the clinician, we would run into a very difficult process because the uh, using the computers as a way of uh, inform putting information in is a little bit onerous for some of the clinicians who are used to having clerks to put information in for them and nurses to augment the medical record. And as a result of that, we don't require them to document all of the decisions that they make. But we just we make sure that they have the information available to them. So, so are you, am, I, am I hearing then that if they, 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 they were so gracious and had you know, all of the time in the world to and the patients to document their decisions to use or ignore the information presented to the system, are you saying then that with this kind of uh, audit trail data and perhaps mining it, that you could then get at uh, a better idea about uh, the uh, the coverage of uh, you know, semantic integrity you know, checks that are I would think so. needed? Yes. I mean, the, the classic issue about semantic checks is uh, and the essential definition of a semantic check is that it's meaning-based, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a syntactic check. It's not something that you can automatically just look at a little bit pieces of information, combine them together, and get an answer. So um, that's part of the reason why we're even involved in some of the first-order logic efforts that we're, we're looking at, right? So, yes, uh, the system, in theory, can provide an awful lot of audit information and can provide a lot of information for researchers, et cetera. Uh, the other thing you have to realize is it's a huge system, right? We have hundreds and thousands of patients in your typical in your typical database. So, so would it be fair to say that, um, say, if the system were to say, um, oh, um, this patient, um, I think, has uh, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, dystrophy, uh, you know, whatever, and um, and and twenty doctors, they uh, you know, reject this and perhaps explain no, uh, the the Diagnosis is uh, just as I don't know. Uh, well, I, I think fever or whatever. The, the system is not suggesting diagnoses. I want to, to reiterate ah, that. Okay. So there is, is some information available to some medical, uh, mental health practitioners. So what is it? So what is it, then the nature of the accepted or rejected information? Is it a suggestive? Uh, uh, some of the order or? checks is what I was talking about right now because that's the slide we're on. Uh, Forty. Yeah, slide number 40, in case anybody's forgotten. Oh, so you're saying like a, like a neurology uh, assessment, you're saying that... Uh, you, there's, for example, there's an allergy-drug interaction specifically mentioned there, right? Right. Uh, it may be a case that the physician says, I understand that the allergy is there, but there's nothing you can do about that allergy, and this is the only drug that I can give this person. This is a... Uh, I, a uh, David, I can give a real-life ex example. Please do. Okay. There, there, there's a drug that is has to be uh, diluted in oil. The patient came up being allergic to peanuts. Mm -hmm. The oil that they used was peanut oil. Mm -hmm. So that generated a, a, an alert that there was a, a, a danger when the, that particular drug was being prescribed. Mm -hmm. Now, if there's an alternative... You know, and but is available, then they they prescribe that. But if there is none available, then they have to go ahead and and prescribe that drug and watch for the the allergic reaction. So I guess in this case, then um, the doctor perhaps ignored the uh, the the warning about the 
the, the He would probably put that in his notes. But he might have said, okay, well, let's try it and watch Then, if it's okay, then, you know, use it. I guess, I suppose, right, it might be a reasonable... Right. Get, right. Well, it, it depends on, on what the, the patient reaction to the allergy is. It, it may be rhinitis. If, it, you know, if they have a runny nose, that's not going to give them much of a problem as compared to, you know, their heart stopping. I see. Which is part of the reason why the standardization of uh, allergies is happening, by the way. I see. Right. Because there's more than one way to, to phrase someone has a, a, a runny nose, you know. Some people will actually say it in English, some will say it in Latin, and so forth. So, you know, some of the, the efforts that ontologies have to deal with are very real in this environment. Uh, issues of synonyms and trade names and uh, alternate ways of phrasings well, all come into play ver oh, very strongly in some of the uh, control vocabulary work. It's also shades of gray as to what, what the outcome is. So, you know, the word then, it seems like what I'm, I'm hearing you then is saying that uh, the, the, um, the, the suggestions that the, the system provides that are in fact accepted and are perhaps useful would reinforce then if we could trace the uh, ration, the logical basis for saying uh, uh, say super in, in this ideal case you know the, the system might have said well the allergy is rhinitis uh, but this medication requires to be done in oil and in this case since it's going to be ingested not uh, inhaled blah 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 there's no risk of rhinitis therefore do it but be cautious exactly so, so if if the system had done that kind of reasoning precisely for those reasons as opposed to some other reason like say uh, well I feel like it because it's noon and that's why I'm going to do it usually these decisions are not capricious right I understand but you know capricious in the sense of you know I don't know something from left field like I don't know the the patient I don't know uh, I don't know is, is older than 65 or I, I, I'm not sure what but there, there are an awful lot of factors that get taken into right but essentially what I'm trying exactly. to, to get at is that if if, if we could say that uh, the, the, the reason the doctor accepted the recommendation is because the inference was made on the basis of the relevant facts in this case and that in essentially the, the, the logical basis for the, the recommendation is sound therefore it, it, in a sense it kind of reinforces the, 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 the logical reasoning behind it whereas if it's rejected because uh, like uh, the case you mentioned uh, where uh, of the allergy and uh, the, the medication that needs to be diluted, but there may not be enough information about the allergy, uh, the nature of that allergy and whatnot, and therefore it was overridden, yeah. then it either says that the logical basis is either unsound or incomplete. Right. Well, and, and this, this really points up that this, this type of a database is really you know, fertile fields for, for doing uh, de-identified analysis of outcomes. But, but am, am, I, am I, though, uh, hitting uh, uh, more or less close enough to the, the nature of the problem in saying that it's, you know, in ideal case, a question of uh, evaluating whether the basis for um, a, uh, a useful recommendation was logically sound, whereas the, the a rejected recommendation is because it was insane or incomplete? It, 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 Generally speaking, I think you're, you're walking in the right direction. That's right. You know, one of the things we just we always have to remember is the process of making ontologies is an, uh, the issue of trying to crystallize from the, uh, from the uh, solution 
those things that are out there in uh, in, in solution, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there, are t there are times when we have to make a black and white decision to describe it this way versus that way, when in truth in humans we realize that there's shades of gray and shades of uh, uh, many meaning or nuances that aren't able to be expressed as part of that particular choice. I mean, th this is part of the reason why the ontological effort is so important. Mm -hmm. uh, is because if as we do some of these kinds of things, then we're going to be able to have more exact definitions, a clearer understanding of what kind of information is actually being stated in the system. Um, this is the, the root e issue, as far as I can understand, between communication between external systems, between two different systems. Are they asking the same question? One of the things I've run into recently looking at a, uh, a non-VA system was just the simple question of uh, someone's marital status is can be expressed in many different ways. Uh, the VA specifically mentions a never married as one of the choices, um, and the other system just says single. You know, so you know, the phrase "single" is uh, is ambiguous. I mean, have they never been married, or have they been married and now they're no, now they're not no longer married anymore? Um, the VA makes a point of saying "never married," "widowed," "separated," "divorced." Mm -hmm. um, these are the vari variations trying to get a, a clear definition of even that small item. So, in general, this is this is part of the effort of trying to understand ontologies and how they interact with an existing system. We can look at the code and see how the code is using information, but uh, ultimately we have to talk to the people who are putting the information in. What do they understand about what the question means and what limitations exist on the information they're storing, especially in cases where information doesn't have to be stored, where they'll take a default that uh, is already there or even choose not to answer a question because they don't like any of the choices that they're given. Um, okay. All right, so looking on at slide number 41 is our summary. Uh, we're reaching the uh, end of the uh, slide portion of this talk. This isn't an ontologies. Uh, these are little takeaway items people should uh, be aware of. The VISTA system is a large health hospital information system. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think you, you may have glossed something here because uh, even though it is a large system, it can actually scale down to, you know, running a, a, a you know, a, a practice for a, a virtually a, a barefoot position, you know. Uh, yeah, has so, anyone tried that? Uh, actually, I think they're, they're uh, the Ch Chinese are looking at that. It's one of the concerns of World Vista. It's one of the reasons we exist. Yeah, exactly. We want to make sure that health care systems are available worldwide so that we can increase the quality of health care throughout the world. Right. There, there, there's no reason why it couldn't be put onto a single laptop. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess one could try. <laughs> no, it, no it, it'll work. it runs on a single laptop. I mean, Chris, Chris is stating it in a generic form, but yeah. the, system, the system, because it's was developed in extremely low hardware requirements for many years, still has the capability of running on what we would consider to be a very small system now. A, a large user partition used to be 4K. Yeah. And that was for routines and symbol table. It, it, it's a very compact system, which some people complain about it yeah. being so compact. Actually, I would really like to bring to you to the following uh, article in a magazine called Medical Economics. I'll try to send you the URL for that. Okay, please. They were pretty critical of the whole thing, so... <laughs> well, yeah, we. I think we saw that one. We saw that one, and, okay. And, and yeah, there was some mi misinformation there. Yeah. 
So probably, I don't know, someone maybe didn't have, go through it in depth or something like that. So um, I seem to recall a mention that you have to have a $100,000 machine to run the system. Yeah, they kind of implied oh, all kinds of things in that. That, that. That's gooey. <laughs> all I can assume is they were talking about 100 PCs connecting to the system. Yeah, maybe, yeah. One of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, if you, no one's doubting the fact that a computer costs about $1,000, and if you have 100 of them, it's going to cost you $100,000. Right, and and if you're if you're going to run CPRS, you you do need to have a, a beefy beefy enough uh, machine to to handle it. You know, it, it's it's. Uh, well, computers are cheap. That's not, I think, what the article was kind of telling. You need all these add-ons for the. Uh, well, yeah, software, and they were telling all kinds. They said that well, you may you don't know what the. Econ economies of using this versus a commercial software and things like that. Right. That's what they were trying to And if you take a look at who wrote that, mm -hmm. I think you will find your answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I just kind of skimmed through it, that's why. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Okay, so as I said, um, in summary, the VISTA system is a large hospital information system. There's a lot of information there. Uh, the multiple sources of content are suitable for inclusion and formalization in ontological work. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of people throughout the country for several years have been involved in this. You know, 20, uh, 20 years worth of physician input and of various other kinds of clinicians, nurses, etc. So if someone is looking to store health information systems and they ignore the VISTA information, they're doing themselves a disservice. Uh, the VA itself has a history of innovative inclusion of technologies. Generally speaking, when something uh, becomes well enough understood, it, uh, somebody in the VA will try to implement it and see if it can be used as a matter of practice. Even saying that, uh, even within all the innovation that is available, the data model and the management subsystem for databases and, and all that is actually a very consistent system. It's all based on this uh, from VA file manager developed by George Stimson. There's various kinds of ontological approaches that are in existence in the system, but they don't really exist in a, a unified approach. Uh, when somebody needs a, a classification system or a hierarchy, they just make one. Uh, they don't make an effort of trying to tie that hierarchy into some other hierarchies. Not unless they want to formalize it and send it to us to, to uh, integrate. Which is, again, as Chris is saying, is part of the goal of World Vista is to try to be a central uh, warehouse or a central point of communication between people doing various efforts. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, the VISTA system would benefit from a standard upper ontology, though it doesn't currently have a connection to one. And looking at slide number 42, we get our questions and thank you slides. Thank you so, so much. Feel free to ask any questions you'd like, and we will try to answer them. Well, first of all, uh, on behalf of the community, I mean, this, this is just a, a marvelous presentation, and we thank both uh, David and Chris for joining us today, and uh, I'm in awe uh, looking at a system that has taken decades to develop with uh, so uh, that encompasses such a huge body of knowledge, and uh, I look forward to the uh, working with the uh, to to have the ontologue community maybe uh, team up with. Uh, personnel from the uh, Open Vista community to jointly contribute to the NHIN effort. We would love it. Yes. And uh, while while we're all here and work talking about uh, NHIN 
uh, initiative, uh, I guess, for those who are in the, the ontolog community, uh, I guess you all have noticed that Bob Smith has proposed that maybe as a community we nominate uh, uh, Mark Musen to be a candidate for the American Health Information Community uh, Advisory Committee member. Uh, that's the 17-member uh, AHIC advisory committee that Dr. Brailer's office is trying to put together as an advisory body to the uh, upcoming NHIN effort. And I, I yep. look to everyone to support that initiative. Yeah, Peter, uh, I'm not sure they really have gotten all the people there. I think it's a good time, and I, I second your uh, suggestion. Uh, we need to figure out how, to, how you go about doing this, though. Uh, you mean making the nomination, or yeah? I, I think Doctor uh, Bob could talk to it. Okay, Bob. Yeah. Oh, maybe he's on mute. Uh, you, yeah, there was uh, this um, right. this, uh, this um, email there and right. in the There's forum about um, Ram. I mean, I welcome you. It was was that Ram that was asking the question? Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh -huh, yeah, yes, uh -huh. I, I welcome you to join our Ontolog forum. Uh, oh, I just about signed in, I guess. Uh. Right, right, right. There's the, 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 the recent postings that, that yeah. talked about this, and, and Dr. Brailer's office actually has been corresponding with Bob as to details on the submission of the Okay, that's, that should be good. Okay, if there's anything we, we need to do from this side, we'd be glad to help out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Ram, thank, uh, thank uh, you very uh, much. Ram, have you been involved uh, with uh, the work of PSL and, uh, and now uh, SWSS? Yeah, actually, PSL, uh, the per, I'm, uh, Mike uh, Greninger is in my group. Mm -hmm. Conrad Bach and Mike uh, Greninger are the two people who are in my group. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really great work. Yeah, maybe we'll, and, we'll uh, take that uh, off to a different yeah. session so, so yeah. that we can let uh, David and Chris do a wrap. Well, I, I actually had a, a, a question for somebody in the audience. I When... Um, uh, Mary Goldstein was talking. She said she was associated with Athena. Uh, yes, I'm actually the lead person in the Athena project. Marvelous. Uh, my, my can you tell us a little about that? Is yeah, I'd be happy to. MIT I, stuff? I first want to say um, I enjoyed your presentation very much. I, I can comment on this from two perspectives. One as a researcher, but my second one as a clinician who's been a user of CPRS, and uh, it's sort of fun to hear like your perspective on how CPRS is, you know works. And um, I will just say that uh, it, it's just a hardworking system that works great. And you know we have every year say new interns come in who have been at medical schools all over the country, many of them using many different systems. And if they've not used it before, they come in and they just pick it right up because it's just really easy, makes sense, and, you know, no system is perfect, but it's actually a very good system. It's very reliable. It's almost never down. It's, got, it's intuitive. It's got great information in it. So um, I, you know, uh, I, I endorsed your, uh, your comments about the system um, as a physician user. Um, I, about, I also had a, a kind of comment slash question about one of the other things that came up, which was uh, on why would you want to use cache or SQL or something else on top of it. And um, I have you know, not expertise on the VISTA side, which uh, Chris and, and David could answer, but I have used, uh, uh, had been in the position of having to extract patient data. And as you 
number of patients to process them in batch, say, against a uh, guideline interpreter execution engine for a decision support system external to VISTA, then uh, you have to use something to get your data out quickly. And there's a lot of ways of doing that. But you know, one of the ways that's sort of convenient for doing it is to pull things out into SQL or uh, whatever. So, so the Athena project is, uh, is uh, started as uh, a, a, with the idea of how to implement uh, clinical practice guidelines and provide clinical decision support uh, to physicians and other providers in the VA, and I mean not just in the VA. Uh, and um, we worked with Stanford Medical Informatics, Mark Musen's Eon Group, um, and Samson too, being a you know major person there um, as the guideline modeler. And we used the uh, uh, Eon technology, which involves using the protege, uh, not, you know, knowledge acquisition tool, and we encoded our hypertension knowledge now very, very extensively, lots and lots of detailed knowledge in there, um, uh, and uh, in protege, and used uh, Samson's uh, Eon um, execution engine. Uh, to process it, and we actually started a clinical trial using that in um, 2002, uh, and ran that at several large VA medical centers. Uh, initially, for a 15-month trial at the multi-site, and then it's continued at one site as part of another project they had for a few years after that. And we've been uh, uh, expanding it and developing it, and. There are uh, other people now beginning to take a serious interest in using, building on that same approach to develop different areas. And there's one group who've just been um, funded to develop a chronic pain decision support system that will build on what Athena has developed. And others are uh, there's a series of workshops going on for SMI to present training to VA staff in the use of the system. Uh, part of an academic experts uh, project, and uh, the first workshop was just last week, and there's a uh, plan to be a workshop in the fall for VA staff that will be on uh, encoding guidelines using Protege, and then another workshop a few months later that's intended for more like uh, IT staff in, in the VA for some other aspects of integrating with the system. So, I mean, lots of stuff going on. I, I could say more, but I'll stop at that point to see if that could I ask you a question then? Certainly. Um, I mean, uh, to, to uh, the lady who just spoke, is it? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have introduced myself. Mary, Mary, Mary Goldstein okay, at Mary. VA Palo Alto and Stanford. Um, a, a while ago, I had looked at, um, at, at Eon, and it was based on, on, on a version of Prodigy that used the PAL uh, constraint language mm -hmm. and, uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and system, um, which since then has kind of evolved towards uh, SWRL or other um, kind of like owl type mm -hmm. ways of, uh, of defining constraints. Have you explored any of that in, in the context no, of this we, work? We, or, the, or, or yeah, we, we, the system we had, we, we come from this from a health services research perspective where we don't get a lot of funds for development. We get funds to implement and then uh, measure the effect the impact on prescribing behavior of the clinicians and impact on patient outcomes like blood pressure. So we had to sort of lock down a system, put it into place for a clinical trial, and then, um, you know, and then later on, uh, so we had to lock that down at the time 
of uh, the, using the PAL constraints, which we have used and, you know, that worked really well for us. Uh, we're now in discussions with Samson about if we can get um, some funding for our next project, and, you know, being people who work on grants, we just go grant to grant, that we uh, uh, would like to move up to the newer version, but I have no experience using it as yet. Okay. Thanks. They just, in fact, the protege short course is going on this week um, at Stanford. That's cool. One of the things I'd like to elaborate on that um, she was just mentioning was how, well, the reasons why the CPRS system is so intuitive for uh, clinicians is because that's part of the development process. It's intended in, in the VA, especially um, in cases where you're dealing with users. It's, uh, code is not considered to be working unless a special interest group is involved in, in actively telling people how to change it to make it usable to the clinicians. In certain cases, uh, clinicians have actually become part of the programming environment and uh, become developers and system and systems uh, designers and things like that. Exactly. But uh, we, we have a strong commitment to the idea that the system is not one that programmers are making because programmers think they know everything. It's one that the users are using and we have to listen very carefully to what they're saying as a part of the development process. It, it's clear. It's certainly clear that um, in in your you, you're you're confirming you know other reports, especially from um, the folks affiliated with uh, the Stanford Medical Group, where the involvement of a um, essentially of the domain expertise in in the field is a uh, is essential to the success of any of these uh, types of, uh, of efforts. That's uh, that's certainly absolutely clear. Um, what I think is uh, also an interesting, which would be interesting to to, to kind of assess is uh, in in the case of Vista, which comes from a, a kind of like a database legacy of practices, mainly uh, through months and 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 the way it, w it just uh, historically happened, compared to say perhaps uh, the case that um, um, uh, Mary mentioned uh, in Athena that comes from Protege. So there's a, 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 a bit more modern kind of like semantic uh, ontological view of, of things. What would be the, um, you know, if we had to be done all over again, wh what are the kind of lessons that, that we need to learn about? What are the strengths of various approaches that uh, uh, are the most engaging features to these expert uh, community that ultimately has to say, this is a good system, uh, I want to use it, and therefore uh, that's the way we can get funded for uh, doing this type of work. Well, some of the features of MUMPS that make it so powerful are specifically what uh, people nowadays in computer theory always talk about is very important. Things like late binding. Um, MUMPS has had a, a version of late binding practically since its inception. Um, and uh, very clear semantics are very important. Uh, the MUMPS ANSI standard is one of the few ANSI standards that doesn't specify just the syntax of the language, but actually specifies the semantics, exactly what the meaning of the constructs are in the language as well. So I guess um, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I was, I guess, trying to allude to is uh, if we could define even perhaps an, an ontology for saying, well, if we had to describe months in, in somewhere white work, and if, say if we had to describe say, Athena white work, could we describe it in, in a kind of a terminology that, has some, in some sense, you know, is is reasonably aligned, so that 
we could essentially understand the things that worked in MAMS and the things that works in Athena on a kind of apples to apples comparison. Whereas right now it's a bit difficult when you say, you know, like say, uh, uh, some of the attributes you mentioned, um, uh, late binding, for example, in the case of, 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 of Protege, that doesn't mean much because the concept of late, bi late binding, for example, is a bit foreign in the context of a, of a system built on top of an ontology. So the, in order to kind of compare the things that worked in one and, and kind of see how those things, you know, were done in some other system and vice versa, mm -hmm. uh, we need to have some kind of, uh, of, of uh, you know, sure, comparing systems. That's, that's all I'm always mentioning. To try to answer the question again in a different way, um, one of the other aspects that MUMPS has uh, that I think would have a, uh, a bearing in a, in a formal logic-based system is the fact that uh, MUMPS is, able, is effectively able to have data that's there and not there. Um, you can, you can uh, we, we talk about either, as Chris just mentioned, implied data, but there's also the idea of having data that um, if it was there, this is the location it would be, and so you can look and see if it's there, and if it's not there, then that means that it's not actually in the database. Um, this is, this is in some sense, this is uh, a, a not just a true false-based logic, right? Right. You're able to, to compare whether something's there and has a value. Uh, you can determine if it has a true value, a false value, or if nothing's stored. These well, it, it also, you know, there's, there's multiple conditions that we're, we're reflecting here. One, that the data has never been asked before. Number two is that it was asked and no answer was given. Number three, it was asked and no was given. And four, it was asked and yes was given. Or maybe there was a maybe. Who knows? But uh, that, that's one of the, the things is that this is an extremely plastic system, very adaptable. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. And so any protege-based system would have to have that kind of flexibility as part of its definitions of data structures. You know, you know, as we all know, pretty much every programming language can, if you can write something in one programming language, you can write it in another programming language, albeit sometimes with a great deal of pain. Um, the same kinds of things are true for formal uh, information and logic systems. You know, most in most cases, the syntax is not really the issue. It's the level of the power of the uh, the logic that's involved. So I, I think that in general, the the idea that you have to learn from a system that's been developed a long time is the two the two things that we've just brought up. The first one is that you have to have a very flexible understanding of how you're storing information in your system, and you track as much information as possible. And then the first one is that you listen very carefully to the user base that's planning on using the system. Every user base, as we already know, every community has its own language system. And as a result of that, they have certain terminology, certain ways of phrasing things that exist only within their sub-community or their sub-social group. Well, for instance, in Oklahoma, uh, the Indian Health Service number is something that the VA would like to track. In New York City, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so that's a specialization that, that exists only in, in the, uh, the Indian states. Or perhaps in upstate New York where there's an Indian reservation, true. right? That, that, that could be too, true, too. But, you know, it, it, it's the sort of thing that, that adapts to the environment rather than having to make the environment adapt to it. All right.
uh, I guess I will have to interrupt. We we definitely wish we had more time. Uh, uh, it's been an extremely interesting morning, or morning for the Californians, but I an mean, extremely interesting event uh, for ontologists. Afternoon, I'm here now too. And uh, we thank uh, David and Chris one more time. And uh, for those who are here and uh, are not part of the Ontolog Forum community, we invite you to join us. And uh, this is June 16th, year 2005, Ontolog Forum invited speaker session. And thanks. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. For joining Thank us. You. Bye. 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 Bye.